Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. I know. I haven't seen you all in since for a year now. I, oh, God. Not that dad joke. <laughs> hey, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater <laughs> podcast. I'm leaving in that uh, terrible dad joke because it didn't come from Todd this time. It came from Adam. Uh, speaking That's of which, right. we have Adam, we have Todd, we have Lena. How y'all Hello. doing? Oh, and I'm Hello. Brian. Are you? Uh, yeah, you are. And, and I'm Brian. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, this week we are starting our uh, Book of Black History Month. I am so far pretty happy with the books that I have read that we've done so far. Um, we are starting out with book three of uh, of March by uh, Senator John Lewis um, and Congressman. Th- Congressman. I thought I thought he was a senator. Okay. Congressman is the catch-all. Oh, uh, well, yeah, but I'm pretty certain. But Senator, like, they want that division. Like, Senator Congress is like, it's hoity-toity. You know what I mean? So, and I shouldn't have put that book underneath a bunch of shit. Let's see. No, Congressman, no, nope, you're right. It's Congressman. Shit. Okay. My bad. Um, so yeah, so, uh, Congressman John Lewis, and then also Andrew, uh, Aiden helped, I think with the writing and Nick Powell, who seems to do every book that has to do with the sixties and civil rights movement, um, did the art. I, I don't know. I mean, that is just like his bread and butter, it seems, but, uh, yeah, so this finishes off, uh, the story of Senator John Lewis, um, and, uh, their march over the bridge to Selma, um, Alabama, uh, with Martin Luther King and, uh, and also obviously delves into the framing story that is the, um, inauguration of uh, Barack Obama. Did I miss anything in there? I mean, there's a lot more that goes on inside of it, but... White people are assholes. Yeah, yeah. Although, here's the thing about this book, and I don't know what it is. For some reason, it's like, yes, white people were absolutely assholes, but this seems to have more hope about getting past that for some reason. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm seeing faces not agreeing with me, but we'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? Um, yeah, so our cocktail this drink is called The Right to vote. Uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take an ice-filled shaker. You're going to add in one ounce of mezcal, one ounce of a dark Barbados rum, or just a dark rum, whatever you have on handy. Uh, one ounce of a banana cream liqueur, a half ounce of sherry, a half ounce of lime juice, one good dash of Angostura bitters. You're going to uh, shake the shit out of it and strain into a coupe glass. Nice. That sounds like a Caribbean delight. <laughs> it does. And I actually, that funny. sounds awesome. Because I, I originally had messed up the recipe when I sent it to Brian. Uh, and make sure it's a banana cream liqueur. Because I put banana liqueur and I realized after the fact that was that was incorrect. So, <laughs> sure. No, that's because there is a difference yeah. in the flavor. But that does sound lovely. Like something I would just, you know, go on vacation. Like it, it sounds like something I should have had when I was in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Right. I was, and for some reason, I was getting some Haiti was coming to my mind, maybe as part of the subject matter. But okay. Well, um, we are foregoing drinking games for this week. I think probably yeah. in the uh, in a level of taste that we don't often hold. We're Lady, growing and learning. We're growing and learning as human beings. We're maturing, wow. God forbid. Um, but Lena, you were uh, you were disagreeing with me earlier, so I was wanted to get your take on some things. History is supposed to be repeating itself. Well, there's I that. Yes, yeah. Got really angry reading this, mainly because um, we're still running into this. We're we're what. 60 years past this mm-hmm. 40 years you know yeah six years past, and we're still dealing with the same fucking bullshit of voters rights and yeah. and uh, people of color wanting to get registered and it is just really frustrating um and i just got really angry and 
And I get what you're saying, Brian. Like, I guess for me, I sit here and I'm like, I don't like, it's hard to read these books because they're all set down South and Alabama and Mississippi and everything in the deep South have that like connotation of everything. But um, I would, we don't really hear. And I grew up in New England and there was still shit going down in New England, but no one ever talks about it. it mm. Every time we talk about anything racial from the civil rights movement, it is always down south because that's where the loudest stuff was happening. But there was still shit going down all over the country. So it's these aren't my people that these white people, but mm-hmm. you know, they're a hey, fun, yeah. not fun trivia quiz. When did the last public school desegregate in Mississippi? Wasn't it like a couple years ago or something like that? I want to say it was recent. Yeah, 2013. So we had segregated schools in the Deep South, officially segregated schools until 2013. So you can discuss economic and everything else going on. But, you know, and I hear you, Elena, and I um, was reading through this. So uh, John Lewis, I mean, he was a sitting congressman when he died recently, just past few years. And he was writing this and it was published in 2016. Yeah, I think so. There's another one that just got published this year. Run. Yeah, this was in 2016. This came out August 2nd, 2016. So with that being said, what's interesting, it is a memoir and recording the history of it. But even as a congressman and as the icon of the movement, he's not washing it or making it more mild but in the same way it's in the hopes and the whole thing is you look at dr king and he says one day people will be judged not you know by their actions in that there's innate forgiveness Mm -hmm. built into that so and it's we just want to be treated as others and we won't hold a grudge is the quiet part with that statement you know, the quiet part they don't say out loud. But even John Lewis in writing this and going through here is things get better. It's like, we all just want to have an equal shake of the stick. Yeah. Mm. And when we get that equal shake of the stick, there it is. And let the past go. And it's important to remember the past and learn from the past where we came from and how we have improved. And as imperfect as we are and still are, and we're still learning, and we're talking about like voter suppression, is the boomer generation still hasn't given up power. You take Mm -hmm. a look at Biden's president. Biden's, is he 80? He's almost 80 if he's 80. He's up there, yeah. Yeah, he's up there. So Biden's 80. Biden went through this. Those in power still went through this. And some people say, you know, the next, it'll be better with the next generation. Mm -hmm. And we're what, five generations past the boomers, it feels like. And, but those still in power and those still making the rules are not so far removed from back in my good old days of childhood. This was the good old days. And in part, it's letting the die out, but it's moving forward. And again, there just seems to be a bit of an innate, this is what happened. And this, isn't it amazing where we have come from? They were brave enough to do these things. And we, they still want to come together as a single nation gathered. And this whole, um, this forgiveness that seems a little bit like wishfully there is, um, that's awfully big of John Lewis. Yeah. And I think part of it too is, I think a better way of saying what I think I felt about this book was I was less feeling guilty as much as I was more just impressed by all the people involved in this and the struggles they went through and what they were able to accomplish. Um, I think that was maybe more where I, I think my focus was on the way this book was written. Um, right. I also just want to point this out because I just found this factoid really interesting. I was looking up um, uh, John Lewis's um, electoral history. Um, 
The closest person who ever came close in percentage of votes against him got 31% of the votes and he got 69% of the votes. Seven times he went up for re-election and was not, um, no candidate came up against him. They're like, not even fucking worth it. Seven times. It's like, John Lewis will represent you. I'm like, you got the job, man. Yeah, exactly. As long as you want it. Yeah, pretty much that's what ended up happening. Like, it's just like, when he was first elected in 86, it was, he got 75% of the vote and 25% of the vote went to somebody else. And then there's like, people went up with him until like 96 was the first time no one went up against him. Two years, uh, people went up against him. And then pretty much through most of the early aughts, um, no one went against him. They're like, no, fuck it. (laughs) He's like, no, we're done. We're not doing this. Because like, I mean. We're not spending money on a losing thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was very, very interesting. Um, the the other thing that got me was the uh, Republican National Committee. I forget what the oh, hell. Yeah. Um, I forget which um, guy went in there and was, I forget the name of him, but he was like, we're gonna, you know, we have to be diligent and understand that like we can't fall in line with these these extremists and the way that they see this, we're gonna ruin this party and everything, mm-hmm. and everyone boos him. And I'm like, ah, okay, well, I see this is where it began. <laughs> yeah. Um sure. Where the, you know, we thought it started with, you know, my assumption was it all started with Reagan, and it looks like Reagan came in after it it started to move that direction anyway and he just made it even worse so mm-hmm. yeah well, um, the interesting with it was the civil rights when the uh they called them the blue dog democrats but the um conservative versus the progressives flipped mm-hmm, between mm-hmm. the republican and the democrats being a yeah. democrat in the 40s and a democrat in the 70s you don't even recognize each other anymore and yeah. it was through the actions of Johnson doing the right thing caused people to leave mm-hmm. and it completely flipped because what's fascinating you talk about the um, conservative Republicans and I mean the Republican Party I mean the first president was Lincoln who freed the slaves and you look at the um, progressive actions of the major Republican president you had Lincoln freeing the slaves you had Teddy Roosevelt with the National Parks Act and talk about a grab of power of going I'm just gonna make national parks just because mm-hmm. I say I can. Um, you have Eisenhower that does the highway system as a military protection benefit. Mm-hmm. So our entire freeway system was a government going, yeah, we're gonna put in the freeways because we need to transport military stuff if we need to. Yeah. But it has these other good things. And then with Nixon, we got the EPA, we got the socialized medicine because um, it was under him when they passed the law of if you go to the emergency room they must treat you regardless of your ability to pay Mm -hmm. and that was under nixon of going we will treat you as a human being and you are in distress we don't care who you are you will be treated and that was done under the republican guys slightly later from this but it was the um, major major republican actions on the very progressive things and then it flipped and this in large part through these things here which is so interesting to watch of if um the guy in charge doesn't agree with me i'll just go to the other side and enough went they just switched places so you talk about republicans and democrats i i feel like well what era because you're talking about opposite people around this time it just flips the whole thing over which is heartbreaking and but i get it i mean yeah it also adds some bullshit to that like the party of lincoln or whatever you know what i mean like like historically like you can't you can't really attach those things right and you'll see a lot of people online and again i don't argue on facebook i literally just go there to post memes uh and steal memes to post uh but Mm -hmm. you'll you'll 
back in the day when I used to actually be engage and be part of that and try to argue, which is stupid on any. So, I mean, generally speaking, and even in person, arguing is stupid because you're never going to change someone's mind, but especially on social media, uh, that would always come up. It's like, oh, well, the Democrats were this, the Democrats were that. I'm like, yeah, because they flipped because of this exact reason, right. as, as you eloquently explained, Todd. Uh, but yeah, people will still go back there. And it, it goes back to the whole like, well, did you do your research? It's like research to you means that fucking Gwyneth Paltrow posted about her vagina candle. And you're like, well, I guess this is what a vagina smells like, even if you've never been near one. I thought it was so, a jade uh, jade uh, egg. No, she had a vagina candle. Oh, she candle. has a vagina yeah, candle, too. Absolutely has a vagina candle. That sounds like yeah. a terrible idea. So, no, yeah. the story behind that was they were going to start her. <laughs> There's a story, which is funny. And the fact that I know this is even funnier. Uh, they were doing a candle line for her. And so she was going to, she was naming the scents of the candle. And she smelled one. And she's like, oh, this kind of smells like my vagina. First of all, how limber are you that you know what your <laughs> vagina smells like? Or are we just like, are, are we doing like a scratch and sniff thing? I was wondering, like, you know, how do you, how do you know? Or you go a week or so without upkeep. Well, if, that, if that's the case, I don't want that candle. I mean, <laughs> I, I personally do not know what a vagina smells like. Like, but I, I don't think a weak vagina. A weak, I know weak old balls don't smell nice. So, but I can't stand. She's a whole other thing. It, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I, um. Hey, I own a steak in Goop. You leave me alone. <laughs> I actually went into the Goop store in New York and it, just to to see what was there, and I bought a chapstick for eighteen dollars. Holy shit! Um, but the worst part is, it's actually really good chapstick. It's not her <laughs> chapstick. It's like a different company that they just happen to sell there. Um, and I hate the fact that I like it. But anyway. So um, what's funny about this lady, the difference between you and me, when I was in New York City with Brian, I went to the comic book shop and I went to the Nintendo store. <laughs> we have different priorities when we're in Oh, this wasn't store. a priority. This was, we were down in, in the East Village and oh, okay. had seen, we had like walked by the shop and I was like, I got to go in because this, like, I got to see what bullshit she has in this fucking store. I don't think it's open anymore. I think after the pandemic, they got, they got booted because who the fuck's going to go in there? So anyway, um, yeah, I, I th- that was that part really kind of cracked me up. The other piece that I thought was interesting because again, our history in this country is shit in terms of what they teach you. Um, I don't think I ever really realized how much Martin Luther King Jr. was a divisive kind of character, even within his own community, where they were like, mm-hmm. he only wants to do this so it makes him look good. It has nothing to do with Selma. It's nothing to do with Alabama it's all mm-hmm. you know it's just his own kind of PR kind of stuff and um you know John Lewis is getting beat to hell and and arrested and everything and he's getting you know MLK is getting a Nobel Peace Prize and they're having a dinner for him and all this stuff right. so it is it was interesting um because you just don't you know even in a very progressive state like Connecticut we didn't learn any of this shit Mm-hmm. This wasn't taught at all. Um, and when white people write everything, you gloss over things. So you talk about MLK because he's an easy, you know, an easy person to talk about. Um, and, you know, basically turned into a martyr because he was assassinated. And mm-hmm. so it's easy to kind of go for that. And um, but you lose so much behind like what was actually happening um 
And I'm assuming, because they did mention it in this, that the sit-in in Greensboro was mentioned in book one, because I didn't read book one. I only read two yeah. and three. So, mm-hmm. um, and Brian, I think I think it was me and you, maybe it was Christopher, that saw the play that was based on that sit-in. I sound designed that play that was based on that sit-in. Then that is why I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> How dare oh, you forget that? Then that, that is why I saw it. Hey, yeah, it's a play called North North. I was like, I'm like, yeah. this was a Brian and me thing. I can, I swear. Um, so yeah. And that's why I saw it. Cause you yeah. sound designed it. Um, so there are, it, but there are things I just had no idea. You know, you live in this little bubble in new England where they're like, we're better than everyone because we, you know, we fought and slavery and all this other crap. And it's like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was, this was, uh, this just made me really angry more so just because I'm reading it and going, he released this in 2016. He's talking about 1963 and 64, you know, and we're still going through this mm-hmm. exact same bullshit. They're trying that like half, how many states mm-hmm. have passed shit that make it harder and harder for people to register to vote. It is just, it's asinine that we're still going through this. Um, and you have all these fucking white people in government that just, they're like, well, you know, whatever. I just can't. It just made me really angry. And, um, yeah. And I just kind of, I stay away from news anymore (laughs) because I just get very angry lately. Sure. Um, but two things, the first one on MLK and what I say theories, but talking about is, um, MLK, the reason why he was as successful as he was, it was, uh, Malcolm X because before with MLK, he was trying to do some things and people were like, ah, whatever. We don't want to talk to you. Just do your thing. And then Malcolm X came along and he's like, want to deal with him? Because you kind of have the other brother. He's like, Oh, Malcolm X is scary. Well, that's, they kind of briefly mentioned that in the Mm -hmm. book when he meets Malcolm X. Malcolm X was kind of a aware of his role in that. Right. And he needed to be that extremism for the reasonableness yeah. to shine through. Yeah. And as um, it took a group effort. So as much as MLK is revered, he's revered because he was not scary because of that idea of built-in forgiveness, because that was not the case with Malcolm X mm-hmm. yeah. at all. Um, but the other thing with politics and today, and it's frustrating here in Utah, is there is a um, school board member in Salt Lake that um, they have discovered there's actually no mechanism built in to remove an active school board member for um, behavior. Mm -hmm. So she's still there, but she submitted proposals in an effort against critical race theory. She had a list, almost two pages long of things you can't each. And one of those items listed was empathy because she listed them as gateways to critical race theory, regardless of defining what critical race theory is, Mm because it's different to every person. But she wanted to ban the teaching of empathy and how others may feel about things. Wow. Because she didn't like that. I mean, that's kind of telling. Uh, I'm sorry. It's like when the, it's kind of the whole like physician heal themselves where it's like, oh, well, we can't. Maybe it's not, that's that's the wrong analogy probably. But it's like it's very telling. When, like, oh, we can't talk about empathy because it will lead to this. And then it's like, well, how does that branch out into your life? 
Like, yeah. So basically you're telling me if you think of this, you automatically go to racism. So mm-hmm. putting yourself in someone else's shoes and understanding what they may have gone through, whether or not you agree with it. In fact, I had a really good conversation with my therapist a while back about the difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm-hmm. I had a manager who, before I went on my LOA, uh, and it kind of helped drive me to the need to step out and take care of my mental health, which honestly was a good thing. We, we've talked and we're friends now and stuff. Um, but, and honestly, it was my fault for not taking care of myself beforehand. It just, that was kind of like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. We talked about how you can be empathetic towards someone and you could understand, like you could put yourself in their shoes and try to see it from their eyes, which is different than sympathy. Sympathy is like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry for you, blah, blah, blah. It's like empathy realizes things can happen, but there could be a reason for it. But if, if your idea of, hey, I'm going to try to look through things through your point of view, if that all of a sudden is like, oh, well, no, this now I see racism. So that, that, and maybe whatever like that says more about you as a person than it does about yeah. anything else like whatever your stand is on this that or the other like if empathy is like a gateway drug like i'm sorry then i feel fa- i feel horrible for the people who know you especially like your children mm-hmm. i mean the fact that you can't let yourself let your guard down enough to try to see how another person sees thing like as much as it's stupid like i've got friends who are anti-vax and like i disagree that 100 percent but I will sit down and talk to him. I was like, okay, I can see where you're coming from because you distrust the government or you do this and that. And whether or not they're, and I'm not saying they're right by any way, shape or form, but I can sit back and be like, well, I still think you're wrong, but I can kind of, I can see where you're coming from. As far as if I was in your situation with what you'd gone through, maybe I would have that different point of view, but that's not about whether a person should have rights or exist because they are, they have more melon, melanin in their skin than everyone else does. Uh, but yeah, that's, that just, that's the second time today I've been astounded by someone uh, once at work and once now, I was like, are you fucking serious that was actually now what i'll say the other board members quickly squashed it and says this is not something we believe at all Mm-hmm. But this person was elected and is using their bully pulpit for this. I mean, so we can say, oh, look, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is and Lauren Bobart. And I'm like, yeah, there's, they're around here, too. So Elaine has got Lauren Bobart in her area. God, I don't even want to talk about it. Fucking idiots. <laughs> it dri- uh, See, and that's the part of all of this that drives me yeah. nuts. Like, it is just... I- and you had said it before, Todd, where it's like the boomer generation still runs everything. I, at some point, when do we get to, like, when does Gen X and the millennials start to actually, because I feel like the reason we all, like, at least the millennial generation feels like mm-hmm. they're not adults is because we're still not, do we're not running anything. We're still, it's like our parents are still the ones that are heading up everything and it's always right. the like the facebooks or the like the the kind of like they build something up and and you know i guess facebook is a really bad example i think that mark zuckerberg is an alien but um robot but it, it's it's like the offset of the fact that it's like it's the outlier that it's the you know it's this cool new thing that the millennials are bringing in and and then all of a sudden it gets bought out by a fucking boomer company or whatever too but like gm (laughs) that'd be fun we just don't Uh, gm like we don't own anything we don't have anything there's nothing like even with having AOC in Congress doesn't mean anything because right next to her, you know, or on the other side is fucking turtle head. And like, I can't, and first off, 
I can't believe we've lost so many people in the last two weeks and that asshole is still alive, which just goes to show. There is no God. That, well, no, it's not even that. It's just that they always say the good die young and pricks live forever. Like it is the epitome of what has happened over the last um, couple of weeks with Betty White and Cindy Poitier and Bob Saget. I mean, his comedy was whatever, but I, apparently he is a very nice man. But like, and then you still have Mitch McConnell who's still kicking like it's just like fuck, get out just go away or uh joe manchin who is you know fucking assholes and it's just it is frustrating to watch this where it's like it's the same fucking people in power that fought this bullshit that are still denying the same crap now mm-hmm. there's nothing nothing has changed we and the only way to get it to change is for people to vote these assholes out but it won't happen and it's just it's and that's all because of gerrymandering and and you know playing the system as best they can and fucking people over and letting corporations take over everything and yep. and they can't let people vote they can't they won't make you know, our, our, uh, you know, voting day and national holiday, because then everybody gets it off and they can go and vote, but can't do that. Cause if you give everybody the opportunity, Republicans don't win. And right. so they have to cheat to keep winning. It's, it's just, it's frustrating. And that's why watching this was like the whole thing that they had to take literacy tests and they had to go through all this crap just to be able to register to vote And it's like, but a white guy walks up, fills out a bunch of papers. The guy answers all his questions. He fills out his form, hands it in, and he's done. And a person of color walks in and and like, maybe they'll go through it. They, you know, you're taking too long. And he was like, your, your application's denied immediately. And it's just like, it's, I'm sure if they could, they would still do this shit because they just don't want anyone other than a white man to vote. So you three would be okay. I am right cusp of that <laughs> right because women got the right to vote not quite 40 years earlier to this yeah. event it was like 1919 or something like that it's somewhere around 1920 it's around, around 1920 yeah. it wasn't right? it wasn't much further before right but before this was 40 years so. i mean we're 60 years removed from these events while the women's right to vote was just 40 years i mean i mean what we're looking at right now is a hundred years from the United States recognizing that they're an actual person. Yeah. Well, and even with that, we still couldn't, there were times, like there were a lot of instances even in the eighties where women didn't have a lot of stuff. So it's, Mm -mm. it is. um, And I think that's why it's frustrating for me to read this. And I just, am like, uh, half of me is really happy about the book that we're reading next week because (laughs) it's a celebration of black um, and people of color, like stuff that's going on, like people and, and celebrating their lives rather than reading this like horrible stuff. It's also, I'm glad that we're reading it because it's, you know, it's something that we all should have known years ago that I didn't know. I didn't know the full story of because I just wasn't something that is ever talked about or taught or, you know, if you are, uh, if you are black living in America, you know, the story, but not because of school, not because of, of anything Mm -hmm. it's, you know, they hide everything. And, um, but it's just, this one really 
pissed me off more than anything because I'm just watching our fucking history repeat itself to the point of fucking pain. And it's just like, God, they just really want to put us right back in the 50s. Like, that's that's all the Republicans want. They want every woman yeah. to be back home cooking the meals and letting the men run everything. And Black people have no power or nothing. And it's, you know, they just want to go right back into that kind of leave it to beaver bullshit and Donna Reed and I'm over it. So sure. Yeah. Well, if we were in Germany, our response would be, that's why grandpa lives in Argentina. Okay. I think that's a good place to, to let this one go. Adam, what is your grade? Uh, so I'm going to go with an A on this. It's, you know, I didn't do, we didn't do drinking games and I was halfway through it. And that's when I asked the group, I was like, Hey, are we not doing stuff? But mm-hmm. kind of tying into what everyone said, my drinking game was going to be, Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Like there's, Yelena, you mentioned about Martin Luther King Jr. and then uh, Todd and Malcolm X is that we know these big names. We know the people who are the shakers and movers, but we don't know the intricacies behind it. I mean, John Lewis, we've got to know from this. And I'm sure there are a ton of people out there who know who he was as a congressman, but they don't know the story. Mm -hmm. They don't know how he was involved. And he went against people. He, you know, the people who they were all going for the same goal, but he wanted to go a different route. And I didn't know about that. I mean, it just, again, it's, it's not brought up in history. It's a, it's, it's not talked about. So this really was interesting to see the intricacies of what happened and that just cause they, you know, they, they were sort of, Hey, yeah, you can go vote. And we have this, this thing in, in power. People didn't listen and the, and the federal government wouldn't step in and actually make it happen. And so I think sometimes as we're looking at history and, and especially with the civil rights movement is we talk about, oh, these horrible things happened. And then Martin Luther King happened. Malcolm X was bad, which is a whole different conversation we can have uh, about what Malcolm X that. was scary. I didn't Malcolm say X he was, was scary. Bad. Yeah. People will say he's bad. Is different. No, yeah. but the, I was I was raised thinking that Martin Luther King was right and Malcolm X was bad. That was literally how the the little section of the civil rights movement that we have, which is probably all wow. half a page in my his, history books, it pretty much said exactly that. And there's a really it was a really great movie that came out last year that I actually put up for a lot of awards. It's based on a play called One Night in Miami, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a fictional tale. It's a true story as far as there was a meeting at a hotel between Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke. And the actual play slash movie is based around like what might have happened based on anecdotes and, and conversations they had in, in this hotel room. Uh, it was right after Muhammad Ali had his surprise win that no one was expecting and, and everything else. But it, for me, it was interesting because it really kind of, in a sense, humanized him and made, you know, in my 30s now, you know, it's like saw him for what he was really trying to accomplish. And yes, he was trying to do it a different way, but it was scary for people, like Todd said, because, okay, we've got this thing in place, we're going to do it this way. And then here comes someone else who's like, no, sometimes when people are oppressing you, you need to rise up and and push back. Mm-hmm. And as much as I think it's very admirable how John Lewis and, and Martin Luther King handled it as far as the non-aggression part of it. And when the one asshole sheriff was in the hospital for having like a heart attack or something, they're like, hey, we hope he gets better. And, and yeah. whether or not that was tongue in cheek being an asshole or for they actually meant it, it could have been both, you know, it's, it could have gone both ways, but um, that was just an eye-opening moment for me to realize that, yeah, there are, I mean, hell, we're doing a comic book podcast. And if you look at where X-Men came from, Xavier yeah. was Martin Luther King, Magneto was Malcolm X. They both wanted the same goal, but one was wrong on how they wanted to get there. So even in the basis of how we are doing uh, hold on. podcast. I, I will argue with you just a second though. Mag- and, and this is way nerd splitting hairs. Okay, go ahead. But um, I think that you could argue like Malcolm X and um, Martin Luther King, they both wanted the same goal. They were just going at it two different ways. And it's the same thing. Like Magneto is more extreme in the way he wants to do it. He wants to force people to accept mutants. Whereas uh, uh, Dr. Xavier. X, Xavier, Dr. Xavier wants to um, basically become a hero to these people and 
ingratiate him, them through a kind hearts of gentler and way. Minds. Hearts what and minds. What you're looking for is hearts and hearts minds. And, yes. So I, I don't. I think saying Magneto is wrong is limiting to that character um, the same way it is to uh, Malcolm X in a weird, fucked up, splitting hairs kind of way. Well, no, and I, I see you're coming. And from. Lena's just, laughing her ass yeah, off on me. Getting like, okay, this is this. this is beyond where I come in. I just read the book and show up. Uh, but if you look at the way X Men started, what was so? Yet Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. Yeah. What did Magneto have? The Brotherhood I, of Evil Mutants. Uh huh. So as we've seen Magneto mature, and as he's changed who he is in the comic books, yes, he's been the hero, the antihero. And honestly, I can't really blame him for how he approached things because the way people were treating mutants back in the day was how he was treated in Auschwitz. Yeah. Like he, so I, I can fully see where he's coming from. He's like, fuck these guys. We're going to do this my way. The fuck it deal with it. We're doing it. And so again, that kind of goes back to what I talked about as I was kind of yeah. like, oh, Malcolm X is bad. And looking at comics, which I was reading as a kid and I was way into X-Men, it was kind of portrayed the same way. Um, I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed this in the sense that it pissed me off in the right way. It's like, yeah, yeah, oh my God, this happened. I didn't know all this stuff. Like, I wish I, why wasn't I taught that? First of all, well, second of all, first of all, it was how they were, they were treated. Second of all, why didn't I know this? And I took AP US history and we dove into some of the, the scaly bad sides of the US and what we did, Manifest Destiny, all that horrible stuff. Um, but then it was, it was enlightening to be like, hey, so I'm glad I know this now because that's something I can move forward with and I actually have knowledge to approach people with. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, fuck, we're doing all over again yeah mm-hmm. you know we've, we've got the boomers who are doing things and and maybe to the question of like you know why hasn't having the millennials stepped in why are the boomers still running things if you look at the the way millennials were raised they were raised by gen x gen x were the latchkey kids they were the ones who were kind of left on their own to do their own thing by parents by the boomers who maybe didn't pay them attention and they always joke about the fact that millennials are like oh the participation tro- participation trophy generation and that you know oh look at you you can do anything and i think a lot of times it was gen x parents trying to make up for the fact that they didn't get that from their parents mm-hmm. and i know for you me know, you're could, gen x right huh you're gen x you know no, i'm, I'm a zennial it, it depends who you ask no right. yeah. yeah okay i call myself the star wars generation uh <laughs> zennial z uh, x-e-n-n-i-a-l go google it kids uh, yeah, they, they took it off the books as being a thing, but yes, I probably whatever it is, it's, it still sums it up. Uh, so for me personally, like, you know, growing up, my parents like, Oh, you can do anything. You can do this. You can do that. You're going to succeed. And then I got into real life and I realized that, Oh, I'm going to fail. You know, you're not always going to start running when you start walking. And a lot of people I know friends and people my age are like, Oh, well I failed. I'm going to give up. So I think I see a lot of people who maybe tried to get into the political race. I, I have a friend who ran for local, like a local, um, office for like city council or something. And she lost pretty soundly because knew who the fuck she was and she's like well i can't do it this this isn't for me because mm-hmm. like, i almost ran for city council i'd vote for you well my whole platform was um kill the deer <laughs> i support that see i would vote for you see but why I, I i really looked at it but the reason i didn't is something else happened and the deer went away because they did this whole relocation program and i'm like well my platform just dissolved so i guess i don't have a reason to run but <laughs> yeah it was kill the deer because they're oversized rats with antlers so i just want to be so i was looking this up while you guys were talking about generations and and i think the one thing that we haven't talked about is the fact that the baby boomers cover a lot of years Mm -hmm. like my parents are baby boomers both tori and i technically fall under millennials Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so she like I'm on one side and she's on the other, basically. Well, technically, Todd and I fall into millennial. Yeah. Right. Like, My right wife the- is an Xer and I'm a millennial because like the division is were you born before Reagan or after Reagan? 
administration. Yeah. So Wait, Todd, aren't you older than me though? No, we're we're younger than you, Adam. I, I'm the baby of the three of us. Brian here is the old man, decrepit dude. You you're you were born in eighty, right, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, I'm eighty one. Todd's eighty one. Yeah, yeah. Brian's got eleven days on me. Oh, so bullshit if I'm X and you're X too. I don't want to hear about that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well and not only that, but like that's where that's where you have the like the like weird generation like it was like the beat analog childhood digital adulthood yeah because it's funny because even i was born in 85 and they still say that they're like oh you're totally millennial and i'm like i had a very analog childhood like i don't know what you're talking about like I listen to Gen Xers talk about like coming home when the streetlights came on. And I'm like, that was, that yeah. was me. That was, you yeah. know, out riding my bike and drinking out of the, the garden hose and all that kind of crap. It wasn't until I was in high school that anything, then any kind of real technology hit. Showed so up. Sure. yeah, it's just, I remember it's Brian fun. and I and our adventures with bikes. I mean, oh, yeah. we were repetitive it's on bikes. But actually, even when I was um, growing up in West Texas, the rule was you're outside till it's dark. You don't come in unless you're bleeding and not just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was like a little bit of bleeding is like too. the dogs are with you. So they'll keep the snakes and the coyotes at bay. <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. There's actually we, some really good uh, articles out there about early versus late millennials as far mm-hmm. as where in that timeline you were born because early millennials have a completely different experience and like oh, absolutely. than oh, yeah. was like 95 is the cutoff or 96 I want to say 96 Gen is when is the cutoff for millennials so that's why Tori is in 95 so she's like right on that that edge of I'm it seeing, yeah and but like she she definitely has more in common with Gen Z than she does with like how I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, she had a cell phone when she was five years old. I had no Ooh. idea what that was like at five. So, you know, it's just it's different. So um, but I think that but the the whole premise of this was that the baby boomer generation goes from 46 to 64. Jeez. So you're talking about a span of people who I mean, you're talking about 58 years old to 76 years old. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Why shit, even Biden doesn't fall into that. He's he's he's, I think he's a silent generation at this point. No, he, he would be the greatest generation. Wouldn't he? Was it greatest or silent came first? His greatest generation was the did they fight World War II or was it before World War II was the greatest generation? World yeah. War II is the greatest generation. That the silent yeah. generation is the post-war. And then you had the boomers after World War right. II. Two. Yeah. So my mom's so, a boomer, so. Um, yeah, so they, so it's just, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of old people that aren't, you know, some of them in the boomer generation aren't that old. I mean, my parents are boomers and I don't consider them to be that old, but they will love to hear you say that you should just call them up and say, just so you know, I'll send them this recording. Consider you that first off. No, I for, I don't think my parents are that old. Although I do call my father old man, but yeah. um, and he deserves it because he is. But, um, <laughs> but and he doesn't care. He's like, I still have my hair. We're good. So um, he's ahead of me. Yeah, he he's my father is very progressive in how he sees life. Where he's like, I don't care about aging. I don't, you know, he wants to live like a seagull. He always said, just fly, and then one day you just drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad way to go. You yeah, know, live, if I can live, be the live, same live, asshole and then the just end. one day you're done. <laughs> 
Um, but that's why I think we have so many issues is because we have one generation that was brought up in this, like very segregated, very, you know, this is how life is supposed to be kind of way. And that thought process didn't start to change until the generation, you know, I would say really the, the stereotypical, like, you know, from 1980 on, when we started to see how bad it, you know, all of that really is because they grew up and they had pensions and they had fail safes and they had all these things that they've now fucked over the rest of us. And they, you know, so it's until they all die die off or we kick them out. um, I don't think you're going to see any kind of change at all. And that's why we still see the same shit that's happening today happening in this book and it's very annoying we should have an episode of a different podcast where i talk about how to improve the government <laughs> blow it up and start i've over. got ideas no it, it's <laughs> minor changes with huge impacts but some of the biggest problems is parliamentary rules that aren't hard-coded anywhere mm-hmm. does it involve term limits uh-uh okay. no term limits okay so Adam, anyway, what's your grade? so that's a long way of saying a okay so. lena what is your grade a mr todd it's an a i mean okay. it's um this wasn't the, um, did I have a fun time reading this book? It wasn't fun. It wasn't cathartic, but it is, um, it builds understanding in it. Um, it lets me, I mean, it makes me want to go as I talk to other people. It's like, you don't know how good we have it guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I, I'm, I'm not naming names anywhere, but I went to a uh, sports event, go sports setting up to this dude and he was like i feel like i'm kind of being picked on and i just looked at him i was like you don't know how good we have it because we have it so good life is so good for us he's like well i guess my life is kind of good i'm like dude you're in a fucking cabin yeah you have a second residence your life's amazing Mm -hmm. just recognize that it's amazing and others lives aren't that's what we're asking you to do yeah there we are okay and Brian, um, what's your score? My score would be obviously an A as well. Right. Um, I had other things to say, but we've gone on so many different tangents. I don't remember where we're at anymore. So Sorry. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> we're uh, in our homes. I know. Next week, we're going to read what we refer to as the good strange fruit. Um, last year, we read a book called Strange Fruit. Lena read a different we one. Did. <laughs> and, uh, we all he screwed up the assignment. Uh, Lena, Lena did the assignment. We all screwed it up. Is the way I think we should look at it. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, so, so Lena, you know, read a cool book, and so we took that idea and ran with it. Um, and so, yeah, it's strange fruit. It is. I think the subtitle is like um, uncelebrated narratives from Black history, uh, yes. like little known stories of things you didn't necessarily know from Black history. And a lot of these are like there are some slightly obscure stories that you know they still make movies out of and. Like that. This some of this is like deeper cuts, which I really kind of like, and I think it's very interesting. I think um, you're gonna like. I think you guys will like it because I really liked it when I read it last year, and you guys were all bitching about the other strange fruit. And I'm yeah. going, I think I read the wrong book because um, <laughs> yeah. I liked I the book I, I read. Suggested the last one, so that yeah. was on me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have also already read this book, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm I'm excited to talk about that. So uh, that'll be next and week. What and our other books for the series is Killmonger. 
I'm putting him on the spot here, but dead yeah, air is the worst kind I, of air. Uh, yeah, but I can also edit this out. Um, dead air is right. bad. Dead air is bad. Dead air is bad. So I had so I total while Brian's looking at this, I went to yeah, a okay. summer camp when I was younger, and um, such a New Maine. England thing. Oh, it's totally a New England thing. Two weeks in Maine on Lake Sebago. Um, oh anyway. wow! Oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, the weeks What's funny is this was purely because my parents. Parents, my parents never did anything like this, but they were like, we live on a street that has seven houses. You need to go do shit when you're little. So they sent me for two weeks to the middle of fucking Maine. And I, and I, you know, lived there for two weeks and I loved it. I mean, it's beautiful. People in Maine are a little backwards. Sorry if you're from Maine, you know, Um, I'm not. But uh, they, one of the camp counselors who had a very big impact on my life <laughs> for whatever reason, um, I had like this major crush on him and he was from Connecticut too. But anyway, he ran the like radio station thing that you could sign up for as one of your activities that during siesta, you would run the radio station. And um, one of the the CD players that we had, like this one CD just wouldn't work. And so no music was playing and he was down. We were like up on this loft thing and he comes running up the stairs screaming, dinner is bad, dinner is bad, dinner is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we finally I don't know why. Every time I get to a radio station that has no, like nothing on it, it's just dead air. And I'm just like, dead air is bad. But, <laughs> and I, he is, for whatever reason, he is like totally had this massive impact on my life between the nickname that he had that I used to use. I don't use his name as uh, passwords anymore, but his nickname used to be like my password for everything. And it always dead air is bad. I always remembered that. Uh, Lena, uh, when you were at summer camp, did you have the time of your life? First off, that wasn't summer camp. That was the oh. Catskills with the family. Oh, that's right. That that's a, a lot point. of waspy oh. people did. I was more in like a camp on a wana kind of thing. We hold you in our hearts. Yeah, we think Adam's about you. It makes me want to Yes, there you go. This, this thing came apart. Yeah, yeah. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was more my camp. Was like we didn't have an UG or anything, but like yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, we, but I, yes, mine was more of a camp on Awana, not a, not a cat skills kind of thing. Cool. So, yeah. Okay. So we're going to do, uh, after Strange Fruit, we're doing Ironheart, the uh, first volume. And then we are doing a book, uh, it's Killmonger by any means necessary will be our fourth book for this month. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you all later. Bye. 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 The thing came apart. <laughs>